<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. So, uh, yeah, uh, hi there. Not much has gone on the last, uh, couple of weeks, has it? And that's what I find so ironic about this gift. The very people that said they could never, ever kneel. Some people, I like Tom Brady. Tom Brady said, I'm not going to touch you. I prefer you do that. But these, all of a sudden, they, you, you, what are you, I just want to know, what are you unifying against? Are you, are, you show, are you showing unity? Are you showing solidarity against racism or the injustices that's in this country? Or are you showing solidarity against President Trump and what he said? His attack on the very NFL, the shield. Because what we know about above all else, those 33, 32 men and the commissioner will protect that NFL shield at all costs. Martin Luther King should have marched across a different bridge. Young black Americans should have gone to a different college and found a different lunch counter. And college kids in the 60s had no right to protest an immoral war. I served in the military during the Vietnam War, and my foot hurt too. But I've served anyway. You know, I keep hearing keep politics out of sport. I think some of the things that guys are fighting for are more equality type things, and I don't think that's political, you know what I mean? So once the game starts, fans don't have to look at that stuff. I mean, you know, just don't turn on the national anthem if you don't like it. See, Hogan, you're that yellow bird. Andre the Giant is that big cat, and all these other feathers are the, thing I'm, the things I'm planning. I wonder if we right. talk wrestling here instead of canaries. Sure, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but don't talk to me about it. Now, that's a great matchup. Roddy Piper. Sure, he wouldn't like that, man. Hey, Flair's used to knocking things around in a skirt. Doesn't matter. The ruling on the field has changed. The runner was, was touched down at the half a yard line. He was short of the goal line. By rule, we would go back to a running clock and we have a 10-second runoff. So by rule, the game is over.
you can't end a game that way. I mean, that's just an unusual way to end a game. <laughs> Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 51st episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. How the hell is everybody doing? I'm guessing you're probably friggin' exhausted. We all are. My name is Jay Scott Smith. Once again, want to welcome you, friends, to the podcast that never ends after a few days longer than I expected off from here. I am back and I am angry and I am ready to go. First things first, man, you're messing with the worst. I want to get off all the plugs and all the shout outs. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at JSC Radio. Get it me on Twitter at J Scott Smith. I am verified. Yes, sir. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram at J Scott Smith. The new Instagram feed is coming soon. The JSC Radio feed is coming soon. I'll get that info out to you ASAP. Want to thank all of you who checked me out on, of course, SoundCloud.com slash JSC Radio. For those of you subscribing on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher, just put in JSC Radio and you are in there. Hit the subscribe button and you don't need anything else. So the people on Patreon, Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, you got a taste of this episode before everybody else. So if you want to know, before anybody else can get it, how to get a JSC Radio, go become a patron on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash JSC Radio. And also want to shout out the people over at Chorus. It's a brand new app that is not simply an app for just playing podcasts. It's a social app. You can actually interact with podcasters, podcast listeners, and really get your new podcast out there to everyone. I'm on Chorus, and you should be too. So go to the App Store or the Android Store or wherever you go to get apps on your phone and download Chorus. It's spelled just like how it sounds, C-H-O-R-U-S. Go get on Chorus, damn it. It's episode 51, and... uh. Ever since episode 23, by far the most controversial episode of this show, it's also the single most listened show of this entire series of episodes I've done. I've stayed away from saying his name on this show. For multiple reasons, I've stayed away from saying the name of the individual who was uh, the focal point of episode 23 on this show. I've done this more so out of self-preservation than anything else. But I also did it with the stated goal that I was going to try to keep this show as far away from him as possible as long as I could. I even said that unless he interjects himself into the subject matter of this show, which is primarily, but not totally, sports, remember, I refuse to hashtag stick to sports, and boy, has stick to sports Twitter had just a wonderful run of things the last couple of weeks. While this is primarily a sports show and occasionally a pro wrestling podcast, I will not hesitate to head into something very important if need be. Obviously, episode 50, the one you just heard, was one of those episodes. But here's the thing. I stayed away from saying his name largely out of self-preservation. I've avoided talking about him even on shows where he was the focal point. But here's the thing. I can't in good conscience get on this podcast and do a show and not 
especially after the last couple of weeks and particularly after the last week or so, get on here and do anything and not mention the name of the so-called President of the United States, Donald Trump. There are many words that you can use to describe Donald Trump. And you already know what I'm talking about. It's the thing that basically just set the NFL on its ear, and you heard it in the intro as well. He decided that he was going to, say, during a campaign rally for a Senate candidate in Alabama named Luther Strange, and boy, oh boy, what a name right there, Luther Strange. If that ain't a Marvel villain, I have no idea who is. And he decides somehow to go off on one of his many mindless tangents, bringing up the NFL's protests during the National Anthem, but not of the National Anthem. And he felt it would be of his best interest to say if he wanted to see an owner say, quote, get that son of a bitch off the field. And then he doubled down on it afterwards, plus adding that apparently the NFL and football in general is not dangerous enough. The guys are getting thrown out of games for targeting dudes and getting off headshots on people. Apparently, that's what's bringing the ratings down. He wants to see real football, you know, from a guy who never actually stepped his ass on the field at any point. I've tried to avoid saying his name. I tried. I really did. And I made it a pretty good amount of time. But the best way I can describe Donald Trump, considering what he's become, He's interjected himself into everybody's way of life. We cannot escape him. We cannot avoid him. This man isn't as much president of the United States as he is a living, breathing computer virus. It's irritating. It's annoying. It's like the White House had malware up for years and years and years, and somebody forgot to resubscribe to it, and a virus slipped in, and it's him. There's no other way around this. There's no other way of saying this. I can't watch a sporting event, I can't watch a movie, can't watch a TV show, can't listen to the radio, can't listen to music. He's everywhere. Like seriously, think about it. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone that lasted more than 15 minutes that didn't somehow trail back over to him? It's everywhere. And it's not a good thing. It's a terrible thing. And you normally wouldn't say this about most people who are president of the United States. But as Greg Popovich himself said, this is an embarrassment to this country. And as Shannon Sharp put it, the problem here is, is that this whole thing isn't simply the most egregious thing he's said or done. Oh, we documented some of the ridiculous things he said and done on previous episodes of the show back a year ago, last fall, in the run-up to the election, to which it was kind of assumed we would be done talking about him by mid-November. But here's the thing. What's gone on the last few days has exposed even more people. It's exposed the hypocrisy of the NFL. It's It's exposed the hypocrisy of so many people who like to cloak themselves in the American flag. Because, as I've said and numerous others have said time and time again, this whole damn thing was never about the American flag. It was never about the troops or the military. And I've heard this analogy used plenty of times, and it's very accurate. Saying that the protests during the National Anthem are about the National Anthem 
is akin to saying that Rosa Parks' protest was against bus seats. She was protesting segregation. She was not protesting buses. Colin Kaepernick, the guy who started this whole thing a year ago, was protesting police brutality and injustice in the justice system toward black and brown people. To you disingenuous a-holes who get on TV and say, well, why don't he just why won't he just say what the protests are about? Why won't he explain his position? He explained it to you idiots a year ago. You know, I have great respect for men and women that have fought for this country. I have family, I have friends that have gone and fought for this country. And they fight for freedom. They fight for the people, they fight for liberty and justice for everyone. And that's not happening. I mean, people are dying in vain because this country isn't holding their end of the bargain up as far as, you know, giving freedom and justice and liberty to everybody. It's something that's not happening. And I've seen videos, I've seen cir circumstances where men and women that have been in the military have come back and been treated unjustly by the country they fought for and have been murdered by the country they fought for on our land. That's not right. And for you to act like he didn't say anything about it, for you to act like this is anything more than exactly what he's told you and what others have told you for the last year, that's willful. It's insidious. And it's BS. And yes, certain parts of what occurred on Sunday were really refreshing. Like seeing Rico Laval as he's singing the national anthem during the Lions game, as he gets to the words, and the home of the brave, drop to a knee, and throw up the black power fist. That was dope. It was cool seeing kind of a unified front of players dropping to a knee during this thing. It was cool seeing neither the Seattle Seahawks or the Tennessee Titans on the field before the national anthem. That was cool. But then a lot of it was disingenuous BS. All those NFL owners... Standing, locking arms, side by side with the players. We stand with you. We respect you. Do you really? Because if you respect these players' right to protest, why have I got Jeffrey Lurie putting out an ignorant statement 10 days ago saying he doesn't understand what Colin Kaepernick's protest was about and he wasn't sure if he could have a guy like that in his locker room? You know, the same Jeff Lurie who signed Michael Vick. The same Jeff Lurie who kept... Riley Cooper, after he's running around a concert yelling the infamous N-word that rhymes with trigger at people. Jeffrey Lurie was willing to keep that guy in his locker room here in Philadelphia, but Colin Kaepernick, now that's a different story altogether. Every one of these NFL owners, even the progressive ones like the ones in Seattle, had an opportunity to make a statement and sign Colin Kaepernick as a backup. None of you did it. None of you had the balls to do it. Then you prance your ass out there on that sideline, locking arms and unity and talk about unity. That's not what this is about. They weren't protesting the anthem. They're not protesting the flag. And the thing is, a lot of you know that that's not what they're protesting. A lot of you know that's not what this is about. But you'll still run into this thing and you'll still do it and you'll still buy it. And Donald Trump being who he is, part of the reason that the owners are so gung-ho about defending these players now is because they found out just like every single other person that has seemingly hitched his wagon to this guy in the last 35 years that at some point this dude is going to stab you in the back he's going to spit in your face he's going to turn his back on you when it's good for him that's when he's going to do it 
And this time it's the NFL owners. It's amazing that a guy that was once written off as, quote, a failed huckster, a, a, what was it, a scumbag huckster, I think is the word that was used in Newsweek magazine. That didn't come from me. That comes from NFL owners saying this about him back in the 80s when he made multiple failed attempts to get into the NFL. Then he bought into the USFL. And, of course, the USFL did what just about every business of his did. It failed. Get that son of a bitch off the field. Get that son of a bitch off the field. It's like he says these things and he doubles and triples down on them. And he keeps agitating for a fight with the NFL. And this is a point that I will continue to make. He disingenuously gets on Twitter and tweets about how, and I want to make sure I get this right, he respects the right of people to protest. I mean, that's a lie, but okay. He respects people's right to protest. He just doesn't want to see our country's flag disrespected. I don't want to see our country disrespected. Donald Trump doesn't want to see the American flag disrespected. He doesn't want to see the military disrespected. He doesn't want to see the country disrespected by the spoiled, entitled black athletes and black coaches who dare to take a knee. Not even sit, not turn their back, not hold up a middle finger. Simply take a knee during the national anthem. That's just too far for him. That's disrespectful to the nation. It's disrespectful to our troops. It's disrespectful to the country. Donald Trump, the same man who a little more than two years ago made fun of John McCain for having been a POW. And I don't agree at all politically with John McCain. But the one thing I can certainly agree with him on is that man's service is beyond reproach. The man was in a POW camp, and you got this guy sitting here on national TV saying that I only respect people who weren't captured. I support the troops. I support our country. I don't want anyone to disrespect our flag and our nation. There were very fine people. Six weeks ago, he sat on national television after basically being dragged, kicking and screaming to his podium to condemn what had occurred in Charlottesville, Virginia on a crazy Saturday afternoon where a woman was killed by a group of white supremacists. There were very fine people. Those very fine people that you referred to were waving Confederate flags. There is nothing. You, you claim to respect our flag. You must respect our flag. The Confederate flag is a symbol of an insurrection against this country that led to the single bloodiest war in the history of this country. The single bloodiest war in the history of this country that was fought over the preservation of slavery. I don't want anyone to disrespect our flag. They can't disrespect our flag or our country. Five weeks ago, it's they're trying to cover up our heritage. One of the bigger dog whistles to, of course, all the, all the wonderful, fine people down south of the Mason-Dixon. I don't want them to disrespect our country. This country fought a war for nearly a decade. Nearly a decade. Hundreds of thousands of American soldiers died. Fighting a war against Nazis. Who were also, you know, those very fine people down in Charlottesville. The ones saying, you will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. Holding up the Nazi hand sign. 
goose-stepping and carrying tiki torches. Our grandparents, and in some cases great-grandparents, literally fought a damn war against those people. The sovereignty of this nation was threatened 70-plus years ago by those people. So pardon me if I call bullshit on Donald Trump saying he just wants people to respect our flag and not disrespect our country. For you to say that is just laughable. It's not like we're talking about this was two years ago. We're talking about last month, August, six weeks ago, you were sticking up for people waving Confederate flags. You were essentially defending their right to protest. Think about that again. You defend the rights of people waving the Confederate flag and making Nazi salutes and murdering a woman. You have to be forced to say something condemning them. You have white supremacists on Twitter and out in the open. Which, by the way, that's something new for those of us who are under the age of 50. You have white supremacists bold enough to be out in the open now. And he's defending their First Amendment right to protest. Equivocating those who were against them as being the same as Nazis. Except the ones on the Nazi side were very fine people. Six weeks later, he gets up on a dais and says, get that son of a bitch off the field. Because apparently it's more disrespectful to kneel during the national anthem than it is to march through the streets waving the flag of a failed nation that tried to rise up to preserve slavery and went to war with this country. What kind of backwards, bizarro world are we living in? And needless to say, I will stress again, the purpose of the protest doesn't have a damn thing to do with the anthem or the damn flag. It's about protesting police brutality. It's about protesting the treatment, the unequal and unfair treatment of black and brown people here in the United States of America. And to those of you simps out there saying, well, can't they find a different way to protest? It makes us uncomfortable. Protesting the anthem makes people uncomfortable. That's what the hell the protests are supposed to do, you morons. If it makes you feel comfortable... It's not a damn protest, is it? You've got supposedly smart people saying this crap. You've got supposedly intelligent people saying, well, why do they have to protest that way? Because your dumbass won't listen when we try to tell you. We say black lives matter, and all of a sudden your panties get in a bunch. You start immediately, like a gag reflex, spitting out all lives matter or yelling racial slurs at people. Just go ask Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the damn Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got some clown fire chief 20 miles southwest of Pittsburgh boldly jumping up on Facebook and saying, well, I got to add his name to my no good list. Really? Is that a list like, is that like Chris Jericho's list? A black person gets out of line with you, you just stop him and say, you know what happens? You just made the list! What's wrong with you people?
The reason that we, black people, brown people, hell, there's a fair amount of white people protesting. The reason that we're talking about this is for that particular reason. That's why this silly borderline, it's just not borderline, this insulting notion that these athletes are somehow entitled and spoiled and they're not allowed to say anything. You're not oppressed. You make money. So be quiet. No, you be quiet. For one, that's insinuating that they are handed this opportunity, that they didn't earn the opportunity to get to Major League Baseball. By the way, what up, Bruce Maxwell? That they didn't earn the opportunity to get to Major League Baseball. Like they didn't earn the damn opportunity to be in the NFL. Like they didn't earn the opportunity to be in the suddenly woke-ass NBA, which came out guns blazing on everybody. This is the first time in years I've been excited about the NBA season, and it ain't got shit to do with the Pistons. Because the NBA is really letting it hang the way the NFL isn't. The way that Major League Baseball has scared black players into silence. Chris Archer at the Tampa Bay Rays. Hello. You got one black player in Major League Baseball willing to go out on a limb and do this. Adam Jones was being called the, you know, the N-word that rhymes with trigger earlier this year in Boston. And he still stands for that national anthem. Every week, every day, every night in Baltimore, he stands for that national anthem because he knows he's facing the same thing Colin Kaepernick got if he tried, if he just tried to do it. But Bruce Maxwell, a rookie catcher for the Oakland A's, said the hell with this. You're not going to silence me. You're not going to shut me up. You're not going to scare me into silence. And that's more of what we need. Closing this whole thing out. Shutting this segment down, I will simply say this. I'm a black man before I'm anything else. And yes, I know that it could lead to trouble down the road for me daring to basically exercise my First Amendment rights. But I was a black man before I was a journalist, before I was a podcaster, before I was a broadcaster, before I was a radio host, before I was anything else. I've, I've spent more time as a black man than I have as a journalist. 38 years to 23. I've spent more time as a black man that I have doing anything else. And I would be derelict in my duties and it would be basically embarrassing to my family as a man to not say something about this. Yes, it made me angry when the guy who stands behind a podium that has represented the office of President of the United States, it's angering how in 2017, this is what we've got to deal with. Still, Still, this is what we're dealing with. This is the crap we have to put up with. The fact that the NFL had to mobilize only after the guy that seven of its owners were bankrolling his inauguration just nine months ago. They had to stand up because he decided to bite the hand that was feeding him. And they finally stood up next to their players, even though I don't think even a third of those owners, including Jeffrey Lurie, who's made it clear, even believe in why those players are protesting and why a guy like Colin Kaepernick essentially sacrificed his career to do. I don't think they really believe that, which is really disgusting and really sad. Let's not forget why they've continued to protest. Let's not let this become some bastardized version of we got to support the troops. It's not about supporting the troops. It's about protesting police brutality, racial violence, 
an injustice and inequality in our justice system. In St. Louis right now, tensions have been on 10 following yet another acquittal of another police officer shooting another black man in the back. I don't know what the hell, I don't know. I don't know what the hell else I can say. I've done this show for what is now 51 full episodes. And I'm not sure what else I can say here. He's the president of the United States. So it is what it is. Not sure how much longer that's going to be a thing. But for the time being, we have to learn to deal with that unless something comes along and changes it. What up, though, Bob Mueller? But as it goes along, we have to find ways to be able to have to learn to live with having this computer virus infecting this society. This computer virus that is just hammering our hard drive known as the United States of America. I said I would not simply stick to sports on this show, and I refuse to do so. I would be derelict in my duties if I did. But I will say this. Coming up on the other side of this break, I will jump into one thing from this NFL weekend that didn't have anything to do with the protests and kneeling and fists in the air and Donald Trump. I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. And Lions fans, I'm going to have to get in your ass a lot sooner this season than I thought I would. Because the way y'all are acting after the end of that game, I got to give y'all that word. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 51st episode of the People's Podcast, episode 51. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. We have white men in America who wave the Nazi flag and the Confederate flag, and he's concerned about taking a knee because it disrespects this flag. We use that flag to sell mattresses and beer. We wear it as a swimsuit. We wrap our bald heads in a flag bandana and stick it in our pants because we disrespect that flag every day. Maybe we all need to read the Constitution again. There has never been a better use of pen to paper. Our forefathers made freedom of speech the First Amendment. They listed 10 and not one of them says, you have to stand during the anthem. And I think those men respected the country they fought for and founded a great deal more than the self-proclaimed patriots who are simply hypocrites because they want to deny the basic freedom of this great country, a country they supposedly value and cherish so much. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. <laughs> hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists, 
You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. If you go from a stop clock to a running clock inside two minutes, then there's a 10-second runoff, and since Detroit is out of timeout, Uh-oh. they can't save that 10 seconds. Now, you've watched with us, and we're trying to show as many angles as we can to the viewer, Dean. There's enough to overturn this because there's been a tendency, as you know, to go with a call on the field unless it's clear and indisputable and without a doubt. And that's, and that's a great point, Chris. It has to be clear in order to overturn. Like I said, if I'm looking at this, I think he's short. All right, here comes the let's call. See, let's see what they say. After reviewing the play, the ruling on the field is changed. The runner was, was touched down at the half a yard line. He was short of the goal line. By rule, we would go back to a running clock and we have a 10 second runoff. So by rule, the game is over. Damn! Oh yes, yes indeed, he was short, and they lost. Welcome back to JSC Radio, episode 51 of the People's Podcast. Again, want to thank my man Doc Illingsworth. This is the music you hear underneath. It's my man Doc Illingsworth. Go to illingsworks.com or go on bandcamp.com slash illingsworth and go check out his music, and also be sure to check out Detroit City. That's C-Y-D-I. Detroit City, can you dig it? Once again, big up everybody who's checking out the show, whether you're on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio, whether you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whichever you prefer, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, can't forget Audio Boom, and of course, Google Play and Chorus. Remember, Download the app on your phone, the Chorus app on your phone, and log in, and you can get all of JSC Radio plus any other podcast that you like, and you can discover new ones. That's another thing. Discover some new podcasts out there as well. Want to shout out the Week in Sports. Thank you so much for being a contributor on Patreon. Big ups, as always, to my friend Louise, a new Patreon patron. You want to become a patron? You want to support this show? Support the show at patreon.com slash JSC Radio, every little bit helps, and I certainly could use it right now on this show. That's patreon.com slash JSC Radio Plus. Depending on how much you put in, I might be able to give you more than just a shout-out. If you've got a business or you're selling a product, be sure to let me know. Throw some money down on the Patreon page. Guess what? You're not only a patron of the show, you're now a sponsor too. So I want to thank everybody and shout-out everyone who's always shown me love Follow me on Twitter at JSC Radio and at J. Scott Smith Verified. Get at me on Instagram. For now, it's a J. Scott Smith, but the JSC Radio page is definitely coming. I want to thank each and every one of y'all guys. And if you're a Lions fan, you probably aren't going to like what I'm going to say. You heard the open to this segment 
You heard it. And I didn't think it was going to be this early in the season. Just three games in and I got to get in your ass. All right, look. I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Golden Tate was down. The Lions didn't get screwed on Sunday. I'm going to say it again. The Detroit Lions did not get screwed on Sunday, at least not by the referees. They got screwed by bad luck. They got screwed by that fickle finger of fate. That 10-second runoff ain't nothing new. The Lions, in much lower stakes games than that, have lost at the end on a 10-second runoff when one of their players was stupid enough to get a penalty late some sort of stoppage of play penalty that necessitates a 10-second runoff, and they only had five seconds left. I've seen it happen. Now, to have it happen in that fashion, where it looked like the Detroit Lions were about to pull that bullshit again, they were about to pull it off one more damn time. They were going to pull the Houdini Act, and for once, they were going to pull the Houdini Act on a team with a pulse. That's what made that so stunning. The Atlanta Falcons, go back to episode 30 to know what I think about the Atlanta Falcons, but the Atlanta Falcons, the team that was within about five minutes of winning the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons, the defending NFC champions, one of maybe the four best teams in the NFL, the team that never met a lead it couldn't blow, those Atlanta Falcons, They were going to pull the Escape Act one more time. They were going to pull the Houdini Act one more time and steal another win, except this one would have been a theft of the highest order because they would have stolen it from a team that's legit. And then they didn't. And I hate to break this to you, Lions fans, and I've seen a lot of consternation. I've seen a lot of whining, a lot of kvetching, a lot of angst, a lot of stress. I feel feel that tension coming off your soul all the way back from Detroit. I feel it out here in Philadelphia. I feel that, I just feel that tension. Y'all angry, y'all hot. It's Detroit versus everybody. It's Detroit versus everybody. The league's trying to keep us down. The league doesn't want Detroit to succeed. The league's trying to keep us down. They're afraid of Detroit, so they got to keep us down. As if I didn't explain this to you simpletons back in January, the NFL does not have some vested stake in keeping the Detroit Lions down. I will meet you somewhat halfway. The league does not respect the Detroit Lions because the Lions have not given them a reason to respect them for the last, I don't know, 60 years. You've got one playoff victory in that span. One! You've got one playoff victory in that span. In the last, it's been been 24 years since you won a division title in Detroit. It's been 25 since you won a playoff game. This is a franchise that's had three winning seasons since the turn of the century. Ooh, the NFL's trying to keep us down. The man's trying to keep us down. Shut up. The league didn't orchestrate this to screw Detroit. And please understand that I will be the first guy to crack this mic and say when the Lions did get screwed. You know, like they did in 2010, when Calvin Johnson caught the game-winning touchdown pass, got both knees, both ass cheeks, both elbows, a shoulder, his head, and both hands on the ground with the ball. Ball wasn't moving. Then he puts the ball on the ground, gets up, runs to celebrate, and the refs called it an incomplete pass. 
That, ladies and gentlemen, was a screw job. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Lions getting played. The Lions got screwed in Dallas three years ago when Brandon Pettigrew was blatantly interfered with late in the ball game with the Lions leading and driving to possibly put it away and salt away their first playoff win since 1991. And then they didn't because the referees decided, nope, it's not pass interference. We're not going to say anything about Brandon Pettigrew getting his helmet turned around backwards as he couldn't get around on the ball. No, we're not going to call that. Instead, I got to watch Chris Christie's fat ass jump up and down in the Dallas luxury box with Jerry Jones a few minutes later. The Lions got screwed that night. The Lions got screwed in Seattle a couple of years ago when Calvin Johnson's on his way in for a touchdown, but he gets stripped on his way across the goal line and the Seattle linebacker runs in and swats it out of the back of the end zone. That was illegal. That is a screw job. And I will hear any Lion fan who says they got screwed that night because they did. I'm even willing to say when Jim Schwartz, the dummy that he is, challenged a play that you aren't supposed to challenge, but the stupid NFL rule says, well, since he challenged it, now we can't review it. They got played, and they got screwed by the Lions and their idiot coach. Excuse me, they got screwed by the league and their idiot coach. The Lions have been screwed plenty of times. And I've been one of the main ones banging that damn drum when they get played. The the one card I don't play is the league is trying to keep the Lions down. Because I don't want to hear it. I'm not trying to hear it. Because the league don't give a damn about the Detroit Lions. That's obvious. They don't respect you enough to really hold you down. I've already used the examples. You want to know two fine examples of Detroit teams being targeted and held down by a league? The Bad Boy Pistons of 1988 and 1990. Excuse me, 1988, 1989, 1990. The Bad Boy Pistons, they had to change the rules. That's a league targeting a team. The NHL changing its salary cap rules about 10 years ago effectively put the clamps on the Detroit Red Wings. That's a league going at a team. The Detroit Lions are not worth screwing over a wholesale operation. So stop the Detroit versus everybody mess. And of all things, and I'm seeing people who normally are going to say the things that I'm about to say, caping for the Lions and claiming they got screwed, they got played, they got robbed. No, they didn't. They got beat. Maybe, just maybe, how about you not spot the team that just narrowly lost the Super Bowl a 17-3 lead? How about that? And mind you, Atlanta was doing their level best to lose that game. Matt Ryan throwing three picks, one of them taken back for a house call. They decide to stop running the ball when the Lions clearly could not stop the run and could not run the football. Ryan had at least a couple other passes at some point in that game that could have been picked off. The Lions handed them the ball in decent territory a couple times and they could not muster anything other than a field goal. Atlanta wanted to give you this. They tried their damnedest to give it to you. They really did. But don't spot a team a 17-3 lead at home. And then you manage to pull your little Houdini act and come back with time to spare. They hit the fourth and it was tied. 
It was tied at 23 starting the fourth. First play of the fourth quarter, 40-yard touchdown pass to Taylor Gabriel on a screen. And he went untouched into the end zone. Instant TD. So you fought all the way back to tie this game after three, and then boom, you're right back in the hole again. You cannot beat a team that narrowly lost the Super Bowl scoring one offensive touchdown with your so-called greatest quarterback in franchise history. They scored one offensive TD. They had one offensive touchdown, one defensive touchdown, and four field goals from Matt Prater. Now, mind you, they were four very long field goals, and if you've got Matt Prater on your fantasy team, that dude might be the MVP. I mean, the Lions left the Pontiac Silverdome after the 2001 season, but Matt Prater is out here hitting field goals pretty much from northern Oakland County. He's hitting them from way the hell out there, killing them. It's nuts. And I've I've tweeted this out a few times at J. Scott Smith. It's nuts to me that the Detroit Lions, who've had no consistency at really any position for the better part of the last 35 to 40 years, the one position that they've had any sort of long-lasting, consistent success is a kicker. The Detroit Lions have had four full-time kickers in my lifetime. Four. I'm 38. They've had four full-time kickers in my lifetime. Eddie Murray, Jason Hansen, and Matt Prater. Four. That's it. They've had guys kick when Hanson was injured or when Akers was stinking up the joint, but then in came Matt Prater, and he just picked up basically where Hanson and Murray left off. That's incredible. He's the NFC Special Teams Player of the Month, and he deserves it. Some bitch can kick. He can't do much else, but I know he can kick. My God. But four field goals. You can't answer Atlanta touchdowns with field goals. You can't just always try to wait till the last minute and a half and two minutes and try to chase a team down at the finish line. That's why I, I enjoyed the win over the Giants so much because the Lions basically had it in cruise control from about the middle of the third quarter on. There was a time when the Lions used to actually win games like that. They just get up on you and put you down. I love it when they don't have to come back. Give me a quiet final fourth quarter. Give me a quiet final quarter. Give me a fourth quarter where I don't have to worry about them making some mad dash to the finish line. I respect it a hell of a lot more when they go out and beat a team 24 to 10. I don't need all that excitement. If I want a little excitement, I'll snap into a Slim Jim. I ain't trying to watch them come from behind every single damn week. That bullshit they pulled last year where they're winning eight of the nine wins. Eight of the nine wins where fourth quarter comebacks late. Stop that. And I said it all last year, and I'm saying it now. You can pull that against Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville's apparently pretty good now. You can pull that against Jacksonville. You can pull that shit against Cleveland and Cincinnati. You can pull that against the Bears. You can pull that, apparently you can pull that against the Giants. You can pull that nonsense against a team like the 49ers or the Rams. You're not going to get away with that against a team that actually has a pulse. Yes, it sucks that Golden Tate caught that ball and couldn't get into the end zone. But don't you dare get in front of me and obstinately say that Tate's knee didn't touch the ground. That's Trump-level denial. The ball was in his hands. Yes, he didn't bobble it, caught it clean. But he stumbled, his knee 
hit the ground, and simultaneously an Atlanta defender's hand landed on his shoulder. He's down by contact. He was a yard and a half short. Live action watching that game. I said he's short. As soon as he caught it and went down, I said he's short. Oh, they called it a touchdown. The refs called it a touchdown to cover their ass. But that, I'm the first one to say if the Zebras screw up. I am. I was ready to basically chase down all the guys who called that just travesty in Dallas three years ago because the refs screwed that up and they cost the Lions a playoff victory. That I'll say, I'll, I'll ride that all the way to the end. Zebras got it right on Sunday. It was the right call. It was a good call. And here's the funny thing, Lions fans. Let's just assume that the roles are reversed. And it's Atlanta who's driving down the field in the final 115. No timeouts. Bunch of penalties. Bunch of big catches. Crazy shit happens. All of a sudden, you find yourself on the one-yard line with about 12 seconds to go, 13 seconds to go. Ryan goes back to pass. Instead of, you know, throwing it right into the end zone, snaps off a little slant route right to the one-yard line. And Julio Jones. Well, actually, no, I'll use Taylor Gabriel because he's about the same size as, as Golden Tate. And Taylor Gabriel makes the catch. He slips, stumbles, knee touches down, and Darius Slay's hand reaches over and taps him on the shoulder just as that knee hits the ground. Gabriel stumbles, falls to the goal line, doesn't actually cross the goal line, falls to the goal line. The referees go up two hands, touchdown. And everybody is just livid and apoplectic because they all saw the same thing. That knee hit the ground at the one. That hand was on his shoulder at the two. He didn't even really break the plane of the end zone, by the way. And they go to this review because they review every scoring play. The video up, up high clearly shows knee hits the ground, hand on the shoulder. He's short of the goal line. The refs walk his ass right out there, and he says, after further review, the ruling on the field stands. Then I would be upset. Then I would be pissed. Because why? That would be the wrong call. Basically what you Lions fans want, you don't want them to get the call right. You want some other team to get screwed in your favor. Because let's just assume it's the other way around and it's the Lions who are up 30-26, nursing a four-point lead and Atlanta just hauling ass down the field trying to come and get you like the boogeyman. And they come up and score a touchdown that wasn't, and the refs call it a touchdown, go into that review booth, see that that knee hit the ground, see that that hand's on the shoulder and rule. The ruling on the field is changed. He was short of the goal line. And because Atlanta's out of timeouts, there's a 10-second runoff, and the game is over. And there wouldn't be a Lion fan in the world insisting to me or insisting to anyone that Taylor Gabriel crossed that goal line. You want to know why? Because the shoe's on the other foot now. Get over it, Lions fans. I got over it quickly. They lost. Again, they're 2-1 now. They're actually, I'll give them credit for this. They're not as bad as I thought they would be. They're pretty good. They're not great. They're not a Super Bowl contender. I'm not going to believe they'll win this division until they actually win the damn thing. But 
I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? That's probably a 9 or 10 win team. Now, can they win their division? That's key. Because I'm through with this whole coddling Stafford thing. You heard it, episode 49. I'm through with the coddling Stafford thing. I'm through coddling this team. I'm through giving them the benefit of the doubt. They already signed Jim Caldwell to some extension, undeserved as it might be. So he ain't going nowhere, unfortunately. We're stuck with him. But the thing about the Lions is at least now you got to go out and earn something. You got to prove it. You want to show me something? Take your ass up to Minnesota and beat the Vikings and show that this a loss like this doesn't sink you. Because this, as far as I'm concerned, this thing's done. There's no major issue here. Atlanta beat you. Don't spot a team a 17-3 lead. Don't give them a free touchdown at the start of the fourth. Don't score, don't score only one offensive touchdown. Don't rely on your kicker whose leg is like a friggin' howitzer to deliver four damn field goals from 80 miles away. Go out and do what you did to the Giants. Kick that team's ass. You tired of people like me, Lions fans, you tired of people like me calling you simps and making fun of you? Stop acting like simps. Stop acting small town. We're Detroit, damn it. I'm out here in Philly. Eagle fans kind of remind me of you guys. They're a little delusional. They're a little nutty. They're a little crazy. They got themselves an inferiority complex that's out of this world. But the Eagle fans at least have experienced a touch of success in their life. They've had a little bit of victory come cruising through here. They have at least won playoff games and conference titles. They've been to two Super Bowls in their lifetime. Lions fans, we try to get like them a little bit. I've always said I would love to have had the Eagles problems associated with the Lions. We got to get there. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So stop with that. He was down. He was short. Game's over. Move on. But before we, uh, before we move on to episode 52... And the amount of time I've been gone, and you heard it in the intro, the world of professional wrestling lost a legend. Bobby the Brain Heenan, often regarded as the greatest professional wrestling manager of all time, which he was. I like to refer to him also as the greatest color man in the history of pro wrestling. Some will argue that it's Jesse the Body Ventura. I'll listen to that. But most will agree it's Bobby the Brain Heenan. His, he, he passed away at the age of 72. Couple, a couple Sundays back, he had been battling cancer, started his throat cancer, eventually it rotated into his jaw, and it took away that amazing voice that Bobby had. Bobby was one of the voices of pro wrestling in the 1970s, in the 1980s, and the early 90s. And the, I, I have a lot of Bobby clips that I could play here, and I got a lot of Bobby stuff I'd love to use here, but a guy like Bobby the Brain Heenan, the best compliment I can give is he was such a smarmy ass, but he was so funny. And it's like, as a kid, I hated him. Hated him! Especially when he comes out with Andre the Giant before WrestleMania three, and, and Andre rips the shirt off of Hogan and the cross. And I, it, it was a, it, it was so easy to hate Heenan because he was such a, just a hard-to-like guy. But the older you get and the more you realize it, he was one of the funniest men on the planet. And I've heard it said numerous times by different people in pro wrestling. I've heard Dave Meltzer say it. I've heard it from Chris Jericho and, and all these different guys who follow wrestling have been a part of the business for so long. And Jim Cornette, all these guys. Bobby had an instant quick wit about him. 
And he could have done anything. He could have been a pro wrestler. He could have been a great overall wrestler. He was a great manager. He could have been a TV host. He could have been a great comedic actor. He could have been a stand-up comic. His timing was absolutely impeccable. And it's just that something was lost when his voice was taken away from him. Something was lost in all that. It's insane that a guy who was so well-known for his one-liners and his quips you know, like this here. Bobby Heenan, with all that's happening in regard to WrestleMania 3 at the Silverdome back in Pontiac, Michigan, now all of a sudden you have demanded, you have insisted of promoters a non-title bout for Hulk Hogan against <laughs> your man, Hercules. What do you got up your sleeve? Now? Oh, I've got a lot up my sleeve. You see, I'm saving you, Hogan. You take a cat and you put a parakeet in there with him, and all the parakeet does all day long is try to survive. And the cat knocks all the feathers off the bird. And then that little, little, little yellow bird stands there and shivers and freezes. See, Hogan, you're that yellow bird. Andre the Giant is that big cat. And all these other feathers are the, thing I'm, the things I'm planning. I wonder if See, we right can talk wrestling here instead of canaries. Sure, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but don't talk to me about it. Everybody talks about their favorite Bobby Heenan moment. I described the whole thing in detail earlier this year during the Royal Rumble episode that we did about Ric Flair. If you remember, you go back to that episode, when I talked about how great that whole Royal Rumble was, that 1992 Royal Rumble that Flair won, one of the things that made it so awesome was Bobby Heenan's call of it. I talked about that. Bobby Heenan's call of it, especially Heenan's call when Flair won. But just just the, just listen to, to this, simply put. I played it back in that earlier episode, and I'll play it again. Because this was just, this was just some great, great stuff right here from Bobby the Brain Heenan. Listen to the hammer just pounding away Flair. Whoa, listen to that. Shawn Michaels face down in the center of the ring. Not the place to be. Davey Boy back on Flair again. This isn't right. I think it's fair. Not the Flair. In short, pro wrestling lost one of its legends. Pro wrestling lost its greatest manager and one of its greatest voices. And it's another piece of my childhood and the childhood of so many 70s and 80s babies out here that it's just hard to fathom. It's tough. This one was tough because Bobby was basically silent for 15 years. Cancer sucks. It really does. And it took a great one away from us way too soon because even though he may have just passed at 72, we, we lost that voice in the last 10 years. And uh, also before I go, it's been a tough go of it the last few days as I'm recording this. Also, lost lost, the grand, lost my grandmother, Norma Smith. She passed away last weekend. She's my dad's mom. She passed away last weekend at the age of 90. But she hadn't been well for a while. We found out from my dad, and he's really dealing with it. So just wanted to throw that out there, too. It's been a tough week. It's been a tough week for all of us, one reason or another. But we continue to push through. My family's gonna make it through here, and so are you guys. I apologize for the amount of time it took to get episode 51 up. Please don't think I've forgotten about you guys. I haven't. And just know that 52 is coming a hell of a lot sooner than 51 did. We do it one time for Bobby the Brain. We do it one time for Mrs. Smith. Thank you.
you so much. I really do. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you humanoids to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. This is episode 51, 51. Puerto Rico se levanta. Shout out to everyone down on the island and all my Puerto Ricans, all my Boricuas here in Philly and in New Jersey and in New York and down in Florida. And hopefully the island can get the help it needs and fast. I'll see your asses next week with episode 52. Goodbye, everybody. Let's give a big one. I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. He went out there for over 60 minutes, never took a back step, took it to Hogan, took it to The Undertaker, took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is, hey, and Bobby, you call now, the real world heavyweight champion. We're not the kind of guys that say, we told you so, but we told you so. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.